Welcome back to the story of, I'm Reagan Snyder, and this is the story of Michelle Hadley. Michelle Hadley grew up in Ontario, California, which is in Southern California, and she had a good family life. She had a younger sister. Her parents owned a manufacturing company, and they were very Christian, and they always made sure to teach their kids that their religion was very important. Michelle was one of the top students in her high school class. She was a hard worker. She did cross-country, and after high school... She went to Dickinson College in Pennsylvania on a scholarship. After college, she married her high school sweetheart, but unfortunately, they ended up getting divorced four years later when she was about 26. So suddenly, she finds herself back in the dating game. And a year later, it was 2013, she had been on dating apps and meeting guys and talking to them and going on dates, but she met on this dating app, a guy named Ian Diaz. Ian was a U.S. Marshal. He was a little bit older than her. He was Ian was 35, Michelle was 26. So there's like a nine-year gap there. But it didn't matter. They hit it off. They met up for coffee. They hit it off right away. And on their second date, Ian just blurted out that he loved her. And she was surprised and taken back by this, but she was happy about it. She was getting Prince Charming vibes from him. So it was like a happy surprise. So after this, they started to see each other every day and and they moved pretty quickly. By spring of 2014, they moved in together. And then at the end of that year in December, it was New Year's Eve. They were in New York just on a trip visiting. And on New Year's Eve at the Rockefeller Center, Ian got down on one knee and proposed to her, and she was so happy. She said yes, and she started wedding planning. So they're back into real life, right? They're engaged now. They're planning a wedding. Everything's been really great up until this point, but their perfect little relationship started to show cracks. Ian started to become kind of controlling to the point that he pressured Michelle to leave her job a job that she loved, and take a $20,000 pay cut to work at this job. It was in marketing for Disneyland. And apparently, Ian had worked for Disneyland at one point, and he loved it. And he still had coworkers and friends who worked there. And Michelle thought that him pressuring her to take this job was so that his friends who worked there could keep an eye on her. But that wasn't it. He wanted her to start dressing sexier. He wanted her to wear more revealing clothes, crop tops, and low-cut tops. He wanted her to get her belly button pierced and start getting her nails done, like long acrylic nails. And it wasn't really her style, but she was like, okay, I get, I mean, if this is going to make him happy. And so she did it, but nothing really changed. He didn't seem to be any happier. He still had demands for her. And eventually he finally came out and told her what he really wanted. And what he really wanted was to watch her sleep with other men. And she was horrified at the thought of this. She was disgusted. She refused. It was a hard no for Michelle, but Ian wouldn't let it go. He brought it up constantly and he kept pressuring her. And eventually he he broke her down. So 
on Valentine's Day of 2015. I don't know if she took a bunch of cold medicine or if he drugged her with cold medicine, but she had lots of cold medicine and alcohol in her system. And that brought down her guard and inhibitions a bit. And she did. She slept with some strange guy from Craigslist while Ian watched. After the fact, she had so much regret. She was sick with regret. And on top of that, she found out that Ian had filmed it because he wanted to watch it with her. And she is just sick at this point. She's begging him to destroy the video, get rid of it. I don't want any memory of this please. And he wouldn't do it. He actually, instead of getting rid of it and respecting his fiance's wishes, he gaslit her and told her that, hey, nobody forced you to do it. Nobody put a gun to your head. So Ian is just, he's just nasty and he's becoming more controlling at this point. But Michelle isn't being pushed away by this. She's becoming more emotionally dependent on him. It was so bad that he was monitoring her phone her computer, her social media, and he even put a tracking device on her car. And so instead of breaking up like they should have done probably a while ago, they decided that they're going to buy a place together. So they start house hunting and they end up finding the perfect two-story condo in Anaheim, California. They decide to go ahead and move forward with it and buy it. And Michelle was the one who put the nearly $15,000 down payment down all by herself. Ian didn't help out with that at all, yet both names were on the mortgage. And so they get all moved in and they're splitting the monthly payments 50-50, but the newness of having this new condo faded off and all of their problems were still there, looking them right in the face. They're worse than ever and contempt was just creeping in. It was bad, and it got to the point that it was leading to physical fights. So Michelle's like, I gotta go. I gotta get out of here. When she tried to leave, he physically grabbed her, pushed her down onto the bed, and held her down. And so, and it hadn't been long since they moved in. It was two months after they had bought this condo that they went ahead and ended the engagement. He took the ring back. Michelle packed up her stuff and moved back in with her parents. But unfortunately, they couldn't completely cut ties yet because they still had this condo together and they're bickering and fighting about it. And it was just kind of a miserable hell for Michelle. And I'm sure Ian too, because Michelle wanted to sell the condo. She wanted to get her down payment back. But Ian loved the condo and he didn't want to sell it and he wanted to live there. So in the midst of all this bickering and fighting, it was September 10th, a month after Michelle had moved out. Ian got this weird email from her and it said, you're in your body, but your mind is somewhere else. Your sins are many, including defiling me and my family with your wicked and evil sexual acts, your financial coercion and irresponsibility, your gluttony, your greed, your lust, your sloth, your wrath, your envy, and most of all, your pride. I will bring the full force of the law and the word of God against you to judge you. So Ian took this as an opportunity to go and file a restraining order against Michelle. He took the email down, filled him in on what was happening, but it wasn't granted. But word got back to Michelle that he had done this, and so she hired an attorney. She's like, I'm done. I can't argue with this dude anymore. She hired an attorney to just handle 
all communication and interactions with Ian and vice versa. Ian got an attorney as well. So by November, so it's 2015 still, by November, a couple months after this email, they finally came to an agreement for the condo. And the plan was that Ian would stay in the condo like he wanted to. Michelle would cover her half for the next six months. And then Ian would have to pick up the full mortgage. So after they get this settled, Michelle feels like she can kind of move on with her life a little bit. So she moves out of her parents' house. She gets an apartment for herself. She starts working on her master's in business. So she's very focused on just working and school and I'm sure dating and just being a single woman, right? Well, Ian also started to date again. He's still in the condo. It's January 2016, and he meets a girl named Angela Connell on on a dating site. He's back on the dating sites and apps. Angela Connell was an attorney, and she had been in a relationship with a guy named Jason Rayburn, and he was he was Highway Patrol in California, and they had met at a bar. Angela and Jason, and they hit it off. They started dating, but then things took a turn for the worst, and Angela was diagnosed with cervical cancer. So Jason had her move in so that he could help her out. And it was a difficult time because Jason had a special needs son at home, and Angela had, you know, all this equipment and hospital stuff and chemo treatment. So it was definitely a sacrifice for Jason, but he was willing to do it for her. She finished up her treatment and she went into remission, but they did end up breaking up at the end of it all. And so Angela was back in the dating game. She got on the on the dating apps and that's when she met Ian. And boy, did Angela and Ian move quick. One month after they met, they got married. She moved into the condo with him. And three months later, she found out that she was pregnant and it's twins. And so everything's moving really fast, but they're both very excited. So Angela's, you know, going to be a mom and she's starting to prep the condo for the baby's arrival and things are going great. They're very happy. But then they start getting these emails and the emails were really weird. They were full of biblical references And the whole message behind all of these emails was that whoever was writing them wanted her to leave Ian. They were trying to get Angela to break up with Ian. One of the emails said that Angela was Ian's Eve and that Michelle, so they're referencing Michelle. So Michelle obviously has part of this, if not writing the emails, right? So they're saying Angela was Ian's Eve and Michelle was Ian's Lilith. As in the story about how Adam had a first wife before Eve and and she got kicked out of the Garden of Eden for being disobedient to Adam. And Angela didn't really know anything about Michelle. She's just seeing her name pop up in these emails. She didn't know what ended their relationship. Like, she doesn't know much. Obviously, they met two seconds ago and she's married and pregnant and now she's getting these emails. So she goes to Ian and she's like, hey... I think your ex is sending me these really weird emails. And Ian's like, no, it can't be her. We resolved all of our issues. Why would she be emailing you? But Angela's like, no, I really think it's her. So she reads him one of the emails and it was very reminiscent of the email that that Ian had gotten back in September while they're still in the midst of figuring out the condo thing. 
And so he's like, oh, well, maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe it is probably her. But he wasn't really worried about it. He didn't give it much mind. He thought she would just go away. And for the next few days, Angela didn't get any emails. So she thought, okay, yeah, maybe Ian's right. Maybe I'm in the clear and I'm good. But then a week later, she got an email and the subject was die. And it said, I hope you are scared of death tomorrow. Be prepared. Don't sleep. Be watchful of the daughters of God. We will steal your child and watch as it dies. And within a minute, like while she's reading this email, a bunch more emails come in and they're all different email addresses. Like one of them was Lilith Truth. And so she's like, okay, she's connecting dots. Like, okay, this has to be Michelle just sending from different emails. But they're all very threatening, really weird, biblical, and Angela's starting to freak out at this point. And on one of the emails at the bottom, what it looked like one of those, you know, those signatures that you can set your emails up to automatically insert for you every time you write an email so you don't have to sign your name every time. It looked like that. It said Michelle Hadley. She's like, okay, yeah, this, I mean, I thought it was before. This is definitely for Michelle. Maybe that was an accident. Maybe she's trying to make a point. I don't know. But Ian and Angela decided that they're going to print all the emails out and take it down to get a restraining order against Michelle. And this time the restraining order was granted. Michelle was served and the court date was set for June 17th. This is 2016 at this point. Even though she was served and there, you know, there's a restraining order against her, she is not stopping these emails. They keep coming in. They are all the same. They're all the same type of threatening, weird, biblical messages that were coming in left and right. And Ian was pretty cool-headed about it. You know, Angela's the one who's pregnant and has all the emotions. And Ian's like, listen babe, babe, just calm down. Okay. Michelle is all talk. I know her. It's going to be fine, but it didn't do anything to calm Angela. She was still scared. She was scared. So the court date came June 17th and Ian and Angela were accompanied by their friends and family. They have lots of people there to show them, you know, moral support. Michelle walked in and they're all booing at her. And it was like a whole Jerry Springer thing. So they give the judge all the emails. They give, give him a rundown of what had been happening. And Michelle's like, I don't know what they're talking about. She denied it. She's like, I, I didn't write those emails. And the judge is like, nice try. He didn't buy it. And so he granted the restraining order. And Ian and Angela, you can imagine they're so relieved. So they go home and they think everything's in the clear, but then Angela checks her email and there are more in there. The emails continued. Michelle was showing no sign of stopping. So they contacted the police about it that, to let them know that Michelle's violating her restraining order, but there is no definitive proof that the emails were from Michelle because, you know, she's using different email addresses and they just couldn't, they couldn't prove that it was Michelle. So they, their hands were tied. There was nothing that they could do about it. So they're just having to deal, deal with these threatening emails. But then the harassment was taken to a whole new level. Angela started getting emails from strange men, like strangers. She had no idea who they were turned out that somebody under the name of Lilith Hadley 
had responded to a Craigslist ad looking for a woman to fulfill their rape fantasy scenarios, and they used Angela's info to respond. So they provided Angela's name, her address, her schedule, you know, daily habits, like when she took her dog for a walk, the breed of her dog, pictures, all of it. And they told the guy who had posted this to grab Angela, to force her into her home, and to take take her down. Then there was another post. It was a post by somebody posing as Angela, asking for help, fulfilling her, her rape fantasy. And there were specific instructions included. They were to grab her while she was walking her dog. They said, don't be discouraged if Angela said to stop or fight back. It was just part of it. And so they contact police because that's terrifying. And there's nothing police could do. They couldn't stop Michelle because there was no proof that it was her. And so Angela's freaked out. I mean, more than ever. You can imagine how you would feel. And she just hunkered down in her condo. She's like, I I don't want to leave. I'm just going to stay inside and lock my door. But she could only stay there for so long before she had to get out and run some errands. It was about a week after the court date. And things were fine. The whole day was uneventful. She ran her errands. She headed home. And when she got home, she parked in their parking garage, which was underground below their condo. And she got out of her car, gathered her things, and she's walking through the garage to go inside. And she sees a man. And so she's, you know, stiffening up a little bit and trying to hurry to the door. And this guy starts running towards her. He attacks her, pins her down, and she's screaming and kicking and trying to fight this person off of her. And he finally ran away. So she runs up to her condo and she's hysterical and she's crying and she calls 911. So police show up and Angela's neck, I mean, it was red from where the guy grabbed her. Her clothes were ripped. She was hysterical. She couldn't stop crying. Police were like, what? Where, you know, who could this have been? And Angela was like, actually, I think I know who's behind this. And she filled the police in on what was happening with Michelle. And she thought that Michelle was behind all of this. This is all because of her. She's harassing them and torturing them for some reason. And she knows that it was Michelle. So police are like, okay, enough is enough. They get a search warrant and they show up to Michelle's house that night and they searched through her phone, her laptop, all the things, and they were able to find enough evidence that she was behind this harassment, and they were able to arrest her right on the spot. So Michelle goes to jail. She spent the night in jail. The email stopped while she was there, but her parents posted bail the next day, and within hours of her getting out of jail, Angela was getting the threatening emails again. And Angela, you know, she's pregnant, however far into her pregnancy at this point. And she's so stressed that she's worried it's affecting her pregnancy. So she goes in for a checkup and the doctor delivered terrible news, two terrible newses. She had lost both of her twins and her cervical cancer, which, you know, she had been in remission from this whole time. It was back. And so her life has just been turned upside down. On top of this, the emails keep coming in. There are strange men showing up at her door. She's trying to balance and juggle so much. About two weeks after the attack in the garage, Angela looked out the window and there was somebody hiding outside. So she calls the police and the police show up and they find the guy 
who isn't a guy, it's a boy, he's 17, and he told him everything. He told the police that he was there to respond to a rape fantasy ad. He was 17. Where's your parents, dude? Where's your friends, man? So the next day, Michelle was arrested and her bail, her bail, I think it was 10000 before, it was now set at a million. And there's no way she's going to be able to pay this to get out. Ian and Angela breathed a sigh of relief knowing good and well that Michelle would never be able to pay that. But as it turns out, Michelle was innocent. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Michelle was innocent. She did send that first original kind of weird email to Ian, which I'm sure she regrets now. Everybody knows what it said, and it was kind of weird. But after that, she did get a lawyer to handle all the communications and resolve things, and she never sent him another email. As you know, they got it resolved, and she carried on with her life. She was doing great. And then all of a sudden, she was required to go to court, She had never seen Angela Diaz before until that court date. She just, she saw, never saw any of this coming. She was just minding her own business. When she was arrested that second time and unable to post bail, her parents hired an attorney because they're like, this is insane. We know our daughter didn't do this. We got to get to the bottom of this. Because police, they weren't really doing their job very well. So they get to digging. And it turns out that all of the emails that had been sent to Angela were sent by Angela. She was sending them to herself. And they're, I mean, they're nasty, weird emails. The weird, biblical, threatening, but also there were attachments, like pictures of decapitated bodies and aborted fetuses and like terrible images that nobody wants to see. She is sending them to herself She was the one who made the rape fantasy posts. She completely made up the attack in the parking garage. That never even happened. And her pregnancy with her twins, that was a lie. She was never pregnant. She had bought sonogram pictures from Etsy to convince everybody that she was pregnant. What you doing, Etsy? I guess the end game there was to suffer a loss due to the stress that Michelle had caused. I mean, this girl is thinking so far ahead and doing the weirdest things. It was just all this elaborate scheme. And she wasn't even the mastermind behind it. Ian was. They both kind of thought it up together to frame Michelle. But why? Like, why go to such great lengths to do this to somebody? Well, it all came down to the condo because Ian didn't want to sell it. He didn't want to deal with any of their agreement. He just wanted to live there. And he figured that if Michelle was in prison, she'd lose her claim on it and the legal agreement that they came up with would be null and void. So poor Michelle, after sitting in jail for 88 days, as an innocent woman, Michelle was finally let go and investigators started looking into Angela a little deeper. And it turns out that Angela was a major con artist. She had 
a checkered past, to say the least. She faked checks, doctor's notes. She lied about jobs. She lied on her resume, of course. She lied about degrees. Do you remember how I said she was an attorney? Like, that's what she told her ex-fiance, Jason. She wasn't an attorney. She was a paralegal. So during their investigation on Angela, they reached out to Jason Rayburn, her ex, and they found out through him that even her cancer was a lie. Her whole plan with that was to get Jason to ask her to move in with him. And it worked because he did. And supposedly she was having chemo, but Jason wasn't an idiot and he picked up on things pretty quickly. He noticed that she wasn't losing weight like a cancer patient would be. She didn't have any symptoms like fatigue and she shaved her head. She shaved all of her hair off, but she didn't actually lose her hair. She was drinking heavily. Like her lifestyle did not reflect that of a cancer patient undergoing chemo. And Jason had never gone with her to any of her chemo treatments because he worked all the time and it was always during when he was working. So He called his neighbor, who was a friend of his, to see if Angela would leave the house for her scheduled chemo treatment one day. So the neighbor's looking out, and Angela never left the house. Yet, she texted Jason a picture of her at treatment that day. So he Googled it, and the pictures that she was sending him popped up. Like, she just went to the first page and just saved all of them. And that's what she was sending him. Angela's best friend at the time, Mary, also did a little a little bit of digging. She called the hospital and was asking about her. And they're like, no, we don't, we don't know who that is. We don't have any patients here by that name. And so she realized pretty quickly that her best friend, her supposed best friend, Angela, was a liar. So Mary went over and helped Jason pack Angela's stuff up. And when Angela got home, they confronted her. And she insisted, I do, but guys, I do have cancer though. Trust me, call my mom. She'll tell you. And they're like, "Mm, no. So Jason gave her the boot and Angela moved out, grew her hair out, started dating, met Ian and married him real quick before the facade cracked. They always do that, don't they? In a nutshell, Angela was caught. She was arrested and she was charged with 10 felonies and 22 misdemeanors. She did plead guilty to get a deal, and in October of 2017, she was sentenced to five years in prison. Versus Michelle, who had been facing a life sentence when everybody thought she was guilty. She lost her job. She's got debt now. She's got lawyers to pay out. All sorts of things. Her whole life was uprooted, and for what? But Michelle wasn't about to just let this go. She filed a federal civil lawsuit against Angela, Ian, and the city of Anaheim, which ended up being settled in April 2021. It's nobody, there's no real info on how, what the settlement was, but they settled. Ian had divorced Angela by this point, and he was placed on administrative leave after being indicted. In May of 2021, he was relieved of his duties as a criminal investigator in Los Angeles, and he's scheduled actually this month, June 30th, to be sentenced, and he faces a max of 20 years in prison. As for Michelle, she has started her own retail business. She's helped raise money for a domestic violence shelter, and she has carried on with her life. 
Thank you for being here and supporting me and listening. If you like my podcast, please consider telling your friends and leaving a five-star review. I appreciate you so much. I'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you.